Eleanor Roosevelt. Empathy. Empathy is understanding. Understanding what others are feeling. Experience what they might be feeling and meaning. From the Arc of Empathy.com, welcome to episode four of Empathy, a podcast. Our podcasts are about empathy in today's world and throughout history. I'm Todd Price, here again with Kenan and Carol Heiss. Hello, neighbors. Hello. Hi, Todd. How are you both doing? Quite well, thank you. All right. Pretty good in our self-quarantine. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's July everywhere, I guess, but in Evanston, Illinois, that's uh, exciting times. We get to uh, actually walk outside in shorts. And uh, Have you guys been able to get out uh, even though you're quarantining? Oh yeah, we've been able to walk along the lake and I've been swimming laps in the lake, which is thrilling. Oh wow, good for you. And avoiding people while doing it. <laughs> yeah, yep, that's that's what we have to and do. And wearing a mask. <laughs> Probably not while swimming, but uh, I don't think you need to do it while you're in the water. <laughs> you drown. Yeah. All right, well, today is an exciting day for the podcast, in my opinion, because we will be diving into this extraordinary list of characters that you put together, Kenan, uh, who have shown great empathy throughout history. Uh, and today we will begin that journey with Eleanor Roosevelt. And I'm excited about that. So let's start off with this question. You, Kenan, maintain that uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was possibly the most empathetic woman or even person in the 20th century. How would she deal with the coronavirus pandemic? Well, let me just say that beforehand that I talked to a friend of mine, even though he voted for Trump, and told him what we were going to do. And he said, Eleanor Roosevelt, she was ugly and her husband cheated on her. I said, yes, both of those are true. However, uh, she, she also grew up as a, um, uh, an orphan. Her, husband, her father and mother died. She grew up in somebody else's house and she was not treated as well as the other kids. And I think she wanted to make certain that that never happened to anybody else as long as she had the power to do something about it. And that's what her, that, and she, that power was empathy. Hmm. That's a pretty extraordinary story. A orphan, uh, a young girl who's orphaned who rises to one of the most powerful positions that a woman could have in that day. Well, here's what she did in her empathy. She is the one who inspired and urged her husband, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, to initiate the WPA. And what the WPA did, instead of giving people money, it gave people jobs all over the place. And many of the improvements that it achieved are still existing today. The buildings and libraries that they built, uh, just many, many, uh, the the, the books that they wrote, they wrote a history of all the different, all, all the different states. Uh, and they, they did, you know, a lot of uh, excellent material that has come down to us. And uh, uh, they, they put on plays and, 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 and gave people a chance to see theater, even though they didn't have money to, to spend to, to do it. And of course, that's what we need to do today is we need to give people jobs. We need to give people an opportunities, uh, especially to to perform, to hear performances, to hear uh, different things, and also just to to be uh, to be able to work if possible. 
and she had it, and she also focused on the very poor, I mean the really very poor in the South, and on African Americans, including in the South. She went to visit them, she got their ideas, and uh, we will talk a little more, bit more later about some of the things that she did that it, in an era when when race was was much more clearly defined in a, in a very negative way than it is today. And those are things that we need to deal with in 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 con- dealing with the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, coronavirus. Tell me, do you uh, let me let me back up a second here. In the very beginning, you said you had this friend who um, said, "Well, she was ugly, and her husband cheated on her." Uh, the the part where I I feel uncomfortable that we're we're calling her ugly, but uh, that was something she said about herself, uh, isn't it? Then I think you wrote that she saw herself as an unattractive and disdained orphan girl. You know, I think at that time, in, in when I grew up. People were considered ugly. People people have improved. They don't call other people ugly very easily. At least the people who care and are concerned for, for, with other other individuals. Yeah. And uh, she wasn't attractive, but she wasn't really ugly. And as a matter of fact, she was absolutely the opposite. Well, especially if you judge someone uh, by by who they are and how they uh, how they act, especially towards others. So. Um, you, you write that she was, well, of course, history writes, she, she was a, a powerful governor, uh, or the wife of a powerful governor um, of New York, um, who uh, then became president and was disabled. So she, grew, she was around um, those who were oppressed, disenfranchised, uh, marginalized in, in a number of ways throughout her life. Um, how uh, did her husband's, how did FDR's uh, disability uh, affect her? I think that she ignored it, which is exactly what he wanted to do, have done. And uh, she, you know, simply treated him as a, you know, anyone else. And, and, and I think she loved him, even though he didn't, he didn't necessarily love her very much, if at all. But he respected her, and that's what she took advantage of. Uh, Just a couple of very well-known incidents about her life. One was that um, she attended a meeting in the South on um, the—remember, this was a racial thing, very much stronger than it is today. And uh, it was a racial thing for founding the uh, Southern Conference on Human Welfare— and the audience was separated. On one side, on one side of the aisle, there was all they were all African Americans, and on the other side, they were white. And she put her chair right in the middle because they told her she couldn't sit with the, the African Americans, so she put her chair right in the middle of the two. Uh, there was a woman who, uh, a great singer, um, uh, the. Uh, and what was her name? Uh, Anderson. Yeah, Marian Anderson. Marian I want to discuss this one. Yes, she was going to speak, uh, sing at the uh, DAR, the Women Daughters of American Revolutionary Hall, which was the biggest hall in Washington D.C. And they said, "No, she can't. She's African. She's black." And uh, uh, 
Eleanor was a member of the DAR, and so she argued with him and lost the argument. So she put on the performance at the Lincoln Monument. <laughs> I love that. And uh, then afterwards, she resigned from the DAR. And and it was a struggle for her to 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 uh, to to do so, but she said it was the only thing she could do. Hmm. And uh, also. In the South, again, the prejudice was there all the time in every way. And so they, uh, they got a, a thing going so that the, uh, so some African-Americans could fly airplanes and fight in the war. They weren't integrated. The, the Army was never integrated till, uh, till the late 40s. And uh, so they, had, they built an a, uh, airport at Tuskegee, uh, Alabama, uh, and uh, she helped raise the funds to build the airport and to get it going. And then she went down and visited it, which people were just disgusted with her for doing that. And she actually went up on a plane with uh, one of the instructors to do it. And, uh, you know, it was the kind of thing that she did. But she also went to visit the people in the South who didn't have doors on their on their on their houses. And she got people to do work for the do it and she established libraries in the south and in the in the poorer areas of the country not only the south but in the, you know in other places that there was a poverty um and she just had so many different ways that she did she also wrote a, a daily column called the uh, my day and it was very often what she had done that day and so what she was doing, she was getting the message out to people, and it was carried in the newspapers. Hmm. So uh, let me back up uh, and, and highlight a couple things here. So the Marian Anderson story was pretty, um, I thought that was a, a pretty incredible story. Uh, I actually Googled who Marian Anderson is because I did not know and found a, a YouTube video, or just a side note here, of her singing the Ave Maria that, that gave me the goosebumps. I thought, wow, this is a an amazing singer. I guess a contra alto specifically. And I don't know that uh, lingo very well, but that's apparently what she was. And uh, I'll put a link to this video I found in the in the show notes. So if, if you're listening to this and you want to see that, you can. Um, but she was we'll a fantastic <laughs> singer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then the Tuskegee Airmen, I'd always heard that, I've heard them uh, referenced, but I did not realize uh, how integral um, she was to them getting off the ground. I, I guess that's an intended pun, sorry, it was a bad one. Yeah, she arranged a, a loan of $175,000 to build the airport that they used. That's, uh, that's a great story. Um, so one of the one of the main uh, things she's known for we haven't covered here yet, and that is the uh, the International Bill of Rights. Um, why don't well, you tell that story? That really that really kind of comes at the end because this was after uh, after her husband died. She was appointed to the uh, 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 United Nations as an you know, American representative. And the people after who came after her really respected her, like Harry Truman, for example, and uh, uh, many of the others. As a matter of fact, uh, the some of the most prominent people in America urged 
her urge that she be named, um, blanking on it, uh, to uh, uh, to d- receive the Nobel Peace Prize, and uh, uh, it I think there were five presidents that were, whose names were on that list, and uh, they never did it because there was a deep prejudice against her. Period, and it, it showed at times, and I, I can remember it from my own childhood. I mean, my family was Republican; they didn't like. Um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and they didn't like his wife very much either. And the, the things that he was doing about race, it wasn't something that they applauded. I mean, it just wasn't there. And uh, and what she did with the poor, uh, uh, they didn't, you know, they, she was a Roosevelt. What else can they say, you know? Hmm. Um. So as uh, you wrote that as World War II was coming to an end, um, she, she was learning about all the, the, the terrible details about the Holocaust and the, the Nazis uh, torturing and slaughtering six million plus Jews and others. Um, and then when she was appointed to the UN by, uh, by Truman, um, she followed her conscience and, and stood up for what she believed was right. And um, I think that's when she was uh, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize with some of the work well, that she did there. Yeah. She fought the Russians. The Russians did not want a, a universal Bill of Rights. And uh, she won the battle. And uh, uh, I, she had to compromise a little bit on it. You know, she couldn't quite exactly say what the Russians were doing to people. But, you know, at the same time, she, it was there underlying it. I think there's 14 points to it. that, uh, And it's really, if you get a chance to look up on, on the Internet, the Universal Bill of Rights. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, I agree. Declaration I, of, it's a Declaration of Human Rights. I, I won't read the whole list here, of course, uh, on the podcast. You guys can look that up. But um, Article 1, I will read out loud. Um, All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. If that's not a, a definition of empathy, I don't, I don't know what is. I like that, yes. I think that you have helped define empathy. And empathy is, of course, also listening to people. And she was in the South Pacific. She went down where the uh, soldier and sailors and soldiers who were just terribly messed up, hurt badly, and, and, you know, lost half of their face and everything else. She went down and spent a lot of time with them, and she got everyone's name and wrote their family. A, a personal note about that she had seen them and talked to them and uh, was impressed by who they were and what they had done. And I think that those families must still have those letters passed down through time. Uh, this, uh, she is a powerhouse of a woman. This, this, uh, the articles in here are, I, I really do highly recommend everybody reads these. Um, you know, everyone's entitled to rights, regardless of race, color, sex, language, religion, etc. Uh, right to life, liberty, security of person. Talks about slavery, torture, um, everyone should be recognized as a person before the law, et cetera, et cetera. There's, you know, this, this is a fantastic uh, document. Well, I, th- I think she made the world 
and the United States more empathetic. I think she had a lot to do with the changing, beginning of the changing of attitude toward African Americans among many people, and especially among initially the, the more the liberal people. But I think she she reached to everybody to some extent with that message. And uh, <clears throat> you know, yes, her husband cheated on her. Yes, she wasn't the most beautiful woman in the world, at least externally, internally. I think she was. Let's, uh, Carol. I want to call you on a little bit here. Um, what is uh, what has been your opinion of uh, Eleanor Roosevelt? Uh, over the years, and what have you learned from um, some of the work that you did with, with Kennan on this? Well, Eleanor Roosevelt was a very gutsy woman who was willing to, to uh, stake out a position on behalf of the most, probably the most unpopular people in the United States, and take the slings and arrows that came her way uh, as a result. I believe that whether or not her husband loved her, he did support her, and she did discuss with him many of the things that she intended to do, so he knew. But she was the one who did them, and she was the one who conceived of, of doing these avant-garde, very um, groundbreaking, pathfinding things to do. And to answer your question, I think that that when, uh, when I look at the, I read 25 to 30 million people have poured out into the streets to demonstrate over issues related to Black Lives Matter. I think that each and every one of those people who is out there protesting all over the country um, have inherited some of her spirit. Hmm. No doubt. I uh, was going to bring that uh, particular issue up, so I'm glad that, that, that you mentioned that, Carol, because uh, I think if, if we're going to talk about what empathy means today um, in, in light of what we know about Eleanor Roosevelt a little bit more now, that certainly has to be one of the issues that comes to mind. Um, and of course, the, the the pandemic as well. But uh, I, as we've we've covered here in the past, I, I think the uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has gained a lot of momentum, probably because it is because of the coronavirus. Um, so many more uh, people of color, not just uh, African Americans but Latinos as well, uh, are affected disproportionately by the virus and then of course the uh, the killing of George Floyd uh, has just was a boiling point for for that issue and and so now maybe as Eleanor was gutsy as you said Carol we we can um, figure out ways that we can be gutsy uh, as well to speak up uh, for for those who have been oppressed for so long she certainly would have worn a mask. <laughs> I think so. I think uh, our president finally wore one publicly for the first time. Uh, well, if he was going to cave into that, I wish he would have done it uh, about four months ago. So, uh, but hey, better better late than never. I hope it just uh, continues because we we need to um, 
do everything we can to care for each other and that certainly is one of the most important ways we can do it. Well, it is shocking to think of the truth behind what the scientists and the experts are telling us that if everyone wore a mask, if everyone wore a mask for four or six or eight weeks, it would basically be brought under control. How simple. Yeah. How profound. Yeah. And the, on, and the opposite is what we're seeing on the news day in and day out. And as you said, most of the victims disproportionately are persons of color, minority persons, and persons living in poverty. And also foolish persons who, you know, our son just brought us a um, message uh, that he picked up that somebody was asking who to recommend for, they were going to have a party for 20 people and who would be best for uh, delivering Mexican food to it. And uh, he went after them and so did some other people. You don't have a party for 20 people. That's not what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and I understand that it's a, it's a long haul, but we're making it longer by not doing what you just said, Carol. So, uh, yeah, and here at home, well, we, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, we don't see an end in sight. We see the incline of the mountain getting steeper in the United States and leading the world other countries have done these simple things. I don't know. It, it defies reason. It does. And, you know, one of the things I think about a lot now in terms of empathy is how we can have this towards, if, if I'm a, a, a Democrat, towards Republicans. If I'm a Republican, towards Democrats. How do we bridge that divide in a country that has become so polarized and uh, I, 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 I think that you know one of the things is that we, we focus so much on how we differ when so much of what we are, who we are as humans is the same and I think uh, empathy could go a long way towards um, helping us see that in each other as that example of Eleanor getting in the aisle between uh, you know left and right or it was black and white at that time but choosing to try to bridge that divide maybe we can do that well I protect my Democratic and Republican fellow citizens and they protect me if they wear a mask if they keep social distance and uh, I guess that sooner or later, if we're ever going to get out of it, we're going to have to take that bit of discipline, self-discipline, and act on it. We don't have another way out in the foreseeable future. And when we're lying in the intensive care unit on a ventilator, does it matter if we're wealthy? It certainly doesn't. Yeah, and, and now evidence is Very coming out that it's... Uh, uh, herd immunity is not going to protect us because uh, people are getting it for a second time now. Yes. Yes, it seems like that's a possibility. So, and, uh, and people, 
use the argument, it's my right to do whatever I want. Well, it isn't your right if you trample on other people's right in their lives. That's right. Well, you do not have the right to not put on your turn signals, to go through a red light, to go through a stop sign. And this is, this is so much bigger. And we, we, none of us have absolute rights. There's no such thing in our Constitution that gives an absolute right to any of our, of our um, constitutional rights. No, that's right. That's, that's absolutely right. Well, we're getting close to the end here. Why don't we uh, wrap up with some final thoughts here? Um, uh, Ken, what is one of the, the single most thing you would want to impress on people regarding Eleanor Roosevelt uh, to remember about her? I would like to start by impressing it on myself. I, you know, there's ways in which I can be more empathetic. There are people I can be more empathetic toward, and uh, there are, um, you know, uh, and and let my example, not my words, influence people. Hmm. Yes, uh, Carol. Carol, how about you? Um. I would say that we need to keep our hope in each other alive, that just as Eleanor sat in the aisle between two groups of, of people um, who were forced to be separated, I think we all need to sit in the middle aisle and do what, what we know in our bones is the right thing to do. Hmm. You're here. Uh, well, I already, uh, basically said mine, but I'll, I'll, I'll tout it again. The, uh, the Declaration on Human Rights that, um, that she created is, is well worth reading. Um, I will put that out there uh, in the show notes. I will uh, put a, a link to that as well. All right, and we want to thank you for doing this and doing it so very, very well. Oh, well, my pleasure, Ken. It's a, this is a... Uh, a fun uh, endeavor for me. I've never done a podcast before, but I'm, I'm learning as I go. Thank you. Uh, we would love to hear from any of you out there, our, our listeners. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at uh, thearcofempathy.com. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. And Carol and Kim, thank you so much for, for your time today. We'll see you all again next time. Our pleasure. All right. Bye-bye.